Amen. Good to be with you this morning, friends. You know, begin uh, with a famous line from a famous poem. This is as Kingfisher's Catch Fire by Gerald Manley Hopkins. I say more, the just man justices keeps grace that keeps all his goings graces acts in God's eye what in God's eye he is Christ for Christ plays in 10,000 places lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes not his I love that that line for Christ plays in 10,000 places. When we act in God's eye, what in God's eye he and she is, which is Christ. Christ plays in 10,000 places. Friends, taking a deep breath. you need to stretch, do that. If you need to give yourself a hug, Tony saw a big coyote lope through our yard this morning. I wanted to share that just for the word lope because that is amazing. So a large coyote trot through our back forest this morning. Thank you, Lord, for all of your creation. Amen. So this morning, uh, the holy rupture I want to share with you moves from like moralistic conformity to mystical communion. And it, it really is on this theme of hearing and seeing Christ play in all places, in all people, in all things. Um, and this has been a, a, a running list. I mean, I, I think when I, I first shared this in uh, the Great Reformation 5.0, of you know, moving from sola scriptura to the choral arrangements of of hearing the triune God. I had like six, and I, I I'm just like, I mean, it, it this this can get you know so big and expansive, but I I just wanted to tease some of these out more. So here are my my top ten, and this slide I will repeat over and over and over again this morning as we kind of just travel through them. So. Um, you know, don't freak out. But if you if you want to get a picture of the screen, here here are my my top ten. But you'll have other opportunities this morning. Hearing and encountering the triune voice of God through here are my top ten: Scripture, traditions, and saints, the gathered community, Holy Spirit, and mystical encounters, my spirit and experience creation and the natural world, science and education, 
the poor and oppressed, other faith traditions, strangers, and scapegoats. Um, so to me, this is kind of the, the, the running list that I have of ways that I've encountered and experienced God um, and have, brought, have been brought into um, mystical experiences and, and communion with the divine. Um, and, you know, this, this list wasn't as, as big. Um, I think the, the, the tradition I, w I was brought up in, Christ only played in the Bible and in um, words that you could put the word that use Christian as an adjective. So Christian music, Christian schools, Christian camps, Christian conferences, and Christian colleges. Um, so the approved universe was quite small of, of where you could legitimately experience Christ, and those were safe spaces. And I think anything outside of that um, felt it was like a, a warning sign, and it was dangerous. I, I would call it, you know, my tr tradition upheld moralistic conformity to a monovocal single source of authority. And the stand-in for that was kind of how we viewed the Bible as the single source of authority. That's all you need, and that governed all of life in, in practice. Now, in reality, that's not how it worked, but that's um, how it was was used. And many of you have had an experience like this, and it's just been an important in, in my journey to kind of name those things and then to kind of identify the rupture of that um, um, approved universe that was quite small. And when it, it, when these things happened for me, sometimes it was quite kind of scary and, and felt um, unmooring. And other times um, my experience was um, just, um, I don't know, like going through the, 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 uh, the Narnia um, I'm saying covered, but that's, that's not the word. So if you can help Tara with the one word that says picture in your mind, you can help me with, um, the wardrobe. There we go. Um, you know, where it was just kind of amazing and luring and draw and drew me, drew me in. So it's exploring kind of this rupture this morning to hearing Christ being played in 10,000 places and that that list of of 10 um so the like sometimes it feels a, a little critical in 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 going back but um f uh for me part of the critique is the 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 liberation that i experienced so there was this rupturing of moralistic conformity and what i saw that even like becoming like christ was a bit of it, it was an external authority and you lost yourself and were kind of conformed more to this understanding of authority more than, I don't know, likeness of Christ, which is actually a liberative um, coming into the uniqueness of how God, God made you. So um, there was almost in an op oppressive way of seeing becoming like Christ, which was about conformity, which it was in a way that worked against, um, I think, the liberation I now 
um, have like moments of experiencing. So the rupturing of moralistic conformity gave way to holy rest in mystical communion. So as this, this move from single source authority to um, a choral arrangement of wisdom. So I love what Tara shared in Proverbs 8 because the wisdom tradition in the Jewish tradition is quite rich. And I love that wisdom is feminine. So, um, and the wisdom of God was there at the beginning of creation. And, and sometimes the wisdom of God is called the, the Logos, um, which John then names Christ. Um, so, but it, it's a relationship with wisdom. Um, and there's even, um, Sophia is in Jewish tradition of kind of the, the feminine wisdom of God is sometimes uh, what she's called. And even as in Christian tradition, I, th I think one of um, the beautiful um, and mystical ideas is Trinity as mystery or as relationship or as a choral arrangement of even how we can conceive the divine. It's not a, a fascistic mm -hmm. single um, authority. Um, and I'm going to share this quote I shared last week um, because it says so much to me. And may maybe the one, another way I'd describe a rupture is from external scaffolding um, to the internal giving of the, the spirit. It's like when you're, you're able to take that the scaffolding down and let what was there actually shine. Um, so from external authority to internal authority, I think is, is the shift that Richard Rohr is talking about here. Most of organized religion has actually discouraged us from cultivating personal experience of God, which um, this morning I'm calling mystical communion. discouraged us from cultivating personal experience of God by telling us almost exclusively to trust outer authority, scripture, tradition, or various kinds of experts, instead of telling us the value and importance of inner experience itself. In fact, most of us were strongly warned against ever trusting ourselves. Roman Catholics were told to trust the church hierarchy first and last, while Protestants were often warned that inner experience was dangerous, unscriptural, or even unnecessary. Some leaders actually call any non-noising prayer diabolical. The most common temptation for all of us is to use belonging to the right group and practicing, practicing its proper rituals as a substitute for any personal or life-changing encounter with God. You know, I'm not sure where that quote um, came from. I wrote it down. Uh, it's in one of Rohr's books, and I can't for the life of me find it. Um, so if, if, if any of you, like, uh, good quote librarians can find that and let me know, I'd, I'd love to be able to point that out because it, um, it's, a, it's a quote that has stayed with me and um, really named a big uh, transition in my journey. So I'd say conformity cannot achieve wisdom. Conformity misses out on living communion with the triune God. 
Um, and, and this is a real gift from the Eastern Orthodox tradition. Um, the Eastern Orthodox set theosis as really the goal of, the, of human life, which is experiencing shared union and likeness with God. Theosis. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful word. And I have to admit, like, one of the ways I came up against my container is when I, I first heard of Greek, Greek or the, this Orthodox Eastern theosis, it, it sounded kind of scary and um, arrogant, almost like, who would dare to have union with the divine? I just wanted to be, you know, the faithful servant. Um, and um, I think this is the audacious um, claim that he even found in scripture. So when I let that be the single source of authority and, and, and followed it through, it's like this is what even the Bible points to. And that's been that progression that we saw in the Gospel of John from servant to friend to shared union. The other piece in this tradition that I that I just think is so interesting and why, you know, it used to be um, in that choral arrangement I had tradition, but that's needed a plural. It's been tradition. So it's like I've appreciated the tradition um, that um, gave birth to my first experiences with God, but there's other traditions within even the Christian umbrella that are... Um, that are important. Um, so theosis is mystical communion with the triune God. And there was like two practices, um, catharsis and theoria. Um, so um, you, you kind of develop and cultivate and practice mystical communion with the triune God um, through a practice of catharsis, which is purification, renunciation, confession. It's the what... Um, is in the way uh, uh, what needs to be purified. Sometimes the word is purgation, kind of a refining fire that's necessary in life. And then theoria, illumination through divine mystical encounters. Now, I just love that this is so much a part of the tradition. Theoria, illumination through divine mystical encounters that, that was held up. Because like for me, um, the, the question was often, uh, David, how's your relationship with God? And that was measured by um, how much you read your Bible and you prayed. Like those were kind of the two practices. Um, theoria, illumination through divine mystical counters. Like I was 22 before I even ever, ever heard that word um, spoken uh, before. So that, that, you know, read your Bible and pray is like, that has been huge in my tradition and bringing up and those like are important, but it was like nice to see, oh, in this other tradition, catharsis and theoria. Um, wow, that's uh, amazing. And the, the universe is getting a little bigger, right, of, of, of where we encounter experiencing God. So this, that number two, traditions and um, the saints. Like, who in your tradition do you even hold up as models um, of, of pioneers or pilgrims who have gone before us? Um, and um, Brian McLaren talks a lot about this as, as a critical uh, 
pillar for us in kind of developing these new kind of uh, Christian communities of like, who are our saints? Like, who is that cloud of witnesses and how do we expand that and um, help hold up models of, of people who have really um, put faith expressing itself in love is the only thing that, that matters or a life that really has participated in um, encountered communion with the divine. Okay. So traditions in saints, it's like my tradition gave way to other traditions in the Christian communion. Um, and I'll, I'll talk about this, this first one around scripture, which was kind of held out as the conform to that authority of what really started opening up, up to me. So here's a, a pretty famous passage. Usually only one of the verses is quoted uh, when, it when we talk about scripture, and that's 2 Timothy 3.16. But look at um, kind of this whole context, because um, that became important to me. Uh, so if, if Paul's the writer here, um, kind of being a model for a, a younger mentoring of uh, Timothy, uh, he says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. So I, I hear in here is like, know the saints from which you have been entrusted this tradition and I'm passing on to you. And that's, those are, that's words that Paul has used before, I'm passing on. So there's like traditions that are worth keeping and passing on. Um, and all of this, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So this was like kind of the first pinprick in scripture from just like this kind of Christo-fascist single source authority, which was like they're they're able to make you wise for liberation um, in your faith in Jesus Christ. Or they point to um, the living word, which is Christ Jesus. And that, that became an uh, also is that the scriptures pointed beyond themselves. Um, and when the word of God is spoken in um, the New Testament, the, the word of God always refers to Christ. <laughs> you know, not to... The, what's written is like the word, the logos, is the wisdom of God, which we're experiencing now in Christ. Um, that even moves beyond the historical Jesus to the Christ from the very beginning who holds all cells together. You know, So it becomes big and mystical really quick. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And like, this has just consistently remained true for me, especially when it ruptured all of the IN words that were imported into this God-breathed interpretation, inerrant, um, infallible, in inspired. It was all these authority words of perfection um, that aren't here. You know, so I just all scripture is the sacred library and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness. I see like how modest those words are. 
Um, and those modest words are really important and really true. I've just continued to find that scripture has been a witness to me in wisdom, in pointing to liberation in Christ. And all scripture has been useful for teaching. It still is. It's useful for like correcting for the, a purification or a confessing process or <laughs> I've got work to do. Uh, for correcting, for training. Like um, in my ruptures around the Bible, those words have just um, remained true. Um, it's been this imported Christo-fascism that needed to blow up and um, was not helpful in creating wisdom or liberation. It was helpful in domination systems of empire that co-opted Christ, but not for the liberation of, of Jesus. I'm going to pause there before I go on to the next passage and share um, kind of um, a rupturing story for me in uh, 2004. Donnett says, uh, regarding practices, during my second year of spiritual formation program, one of the most profound introductions for me was the friend's tradition of sitting in silence, not speaking until and sometimes never speaking in the service at all. You sense God giving you something to speak about. <laughs> and mind-blown emoji. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. The Friends tradition or the the, um, the Quaker tradition. Those are siblings. Thanks. So in uh, 2004, this was in January. It was the beginning of the year. And um, Sarah and I were both uh, just really sensing that Spirit was leading us um, that the chapter here at uh, Minnetonka Community Church as, um, as youth director was coming to a close and we didn't know what next was and we were, we were thinking about um, intentional unemployment for a season just to wait and listen to where God was leading us. And um, I, I traveled to... Um, Grand Rapids uh, with my brother-in-law to this this weekend conference called Poets, Prophets, and Preachers. Um, this was, you know, right as maybe Rob Bell was just, you know, becoming, you know, known, like right kind of be before that. And um, their church was hosting this 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 conference and I kind of came with this question of is sabbatical what's next kind of in, intentional time off and I really had that confirmed to me while being there but one of the teachings was on this passage in first Corinthians 3 and it just it it blew it kind of blew everything up for me. 
Um, so it starts off, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. So uh, here, just some of my experience later around this passage is just seeing that kind of the single source of authority, the very small approved universe was not wisdom and it didn't lead to maturity. Um, it actually kept us captive um, in a domination uh, system that was worldly. It wasn't spirit. Um, I could not address you as people who live by the spirit, but are like living by this these external constraints. That really hit me. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, or another, I follow Paulus, are you not being, being mere human beings? Like, I've got the <laughs> this is the approved uh, voice. Um, I follow this school. Um, I'm in this denomination. Um, we're only allowed to listen to this music. That, those were kind of that world um, that I was that really I stretched as far if as it could go was rupturing for me, and it felt kind of scary and intimidating, um, but also like there was this necessary whisper and invitation in it all for me back at this time, and it was kind of the end of this this teaching that that laid out. Um, the last part of the passage, 1 Corinthians 3, 21 through 23. And, and this has been a, a passage that I've taught here a few times because um, it, to me, just, it, it kind of, it was the rupture of that small universe where you could find Christ. So then no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours. So if you remember the teaching and we had the Greek words, panta, gar, humo, nestin, all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world, you know, where it just like all of a sudden it gets really big. Oh, wow. You're fighting amongst three teachers. All things are yours. If it's true in the world, claim it. If it's true in life, claim it or even in the experience of death, it's yours, or the present, or the future. Like, you know, things that you do not know about yet that are going to challenge you or expand your universe in the future, they're yours too already. Um, they're to be discovered. All are yours, all of it. All are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. It's like you're, you, you can't get beyond the grasp of God. You're in it, being itself. The life of God is in you. It's in life. It's in death. It's in the present. It's in the future. It's all, you're, like the universe is not small. And so here to me to see like, that the Bible pointed to a huge universe that was the curriculum of experiencing the divine life 
it blew everything up for me. That was the rupture from the, you know, it's got to be Bible based to the Bible is a, <laughs> takes you beyond itself. That experience, I just remember when this, it just hit me and like pushed me back in my chair. I couldn't move. I literally, it was like there was a break and I, I, I couldn't move. I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that where, I don't know, something just for you is like, is this gift that unlocks something and it strikes you so hard. Um, it, it, you just have the sense of everything just changed right now. Um, that was my experience January 2004 and I, I came home from that time knowing I couldn't, what God was doing in life, I couldn't do while trying to maintain the ministry like rat wheel, which that's what I was experiencing was burning me out um, because there is this whole other universe of experiencing God. Um, and um, so that that's part of that story for me. So here I'll share the slide again. This is where I'm, I'm bolding scripture is still this amazing place where I encounter the, the voice of the triune God. And it's like, that's what it's there for. You know, it's not there to tell me what to do. It's there as this portal um, where I can encounter and live by spirit. So again, it's not the external authority for which I'm trying to conform. It's this witness to the inner life that transforms us into likeness and shared communion. And it's a, it's a theoria. It's a, it's a portal. Traditions and saints. And then that, that passage, all is yours, whether the world, life, death, the present or future, is like all of a sudden creation and the natural world, science and education. Like these are all theoria uh, opportunities to be illumined in the the mystery of God. So then all of a sudden it's like, oh, where maybe scripture and science were like enemies. It was like, no, these are voices that are calling me into tuning um, where um, they, they can be different parts that were meant to sing in harmony together. And so that became some of the joy. Of, of just hearing some of these voices um, sing a more beautiful song that's a choral arrangement, um, not being threatened if like one part wasn't, was disagreeing or something with, with another. Okay, let me keep going in this. Uh, Matthew 18, 18 and 20, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. And, um, you know, this, this is just this famous passage of experiencing God in gathered community. And I've just witnessed that so many times um, with this community. As a, as a as a as a church coming together, even even trying to wrestle with what is how do we join God and what God is doing now in our midst, 
and what things might need to change and um, what things in the way of us really sharing in the communion of spirit of what God is doing. And we've had to get together and um, wrestle those things out um, and experience God's leading and moving us forward and, and, and changing um, and, and uh, pronouncing things that we have neglected in the past. Like all of those experiences have been um, the gathered community. This one, here and now, the, one, the community around you, um, experience Christ in our midst and kind of having a sense of, yes, yes, there's a shared yes. And this experience to me um, keeps me in love with um, and, and persevering with this idea of ecclesia, the gathered community or the church, the sacred community. Because it's a place where that wrestling, I've encountered the triune voice of God and have experienced. The gathered community is like a mystery of Theoria. There's illumination there if we um, wrestle with it um, and uh, labor together. So that's that's been a, a beautiful thing. It's been an important piece in the choir for me, you know. I don't just need the Bible alone. That's false. <laughs> I need the gathered community. And I need the, the traditions. And I need my list of saints to grow and expand. And I'm experiencing God in creation and the natural world and science and, and the other disciplines. It's like, it's, it's all there. All things are yours. It's why this this rupture from that kind of moralistic conformity has been so huge for me. It's like, I can't go back <laughs> to that. Uh, it, uh, it's just not enough, not enough. So as I, as I continue through this list, again, it's like the witnessing of scripture of um, the need for the choir to grow. And this uh, passage in Acts 10 is really important to me. This is the prequel to Acts 15, which we, we explored last week. Um, this is the, or, the originating story, right? So Peter, at about noon, the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, that's like the, the, the group from Cornelius' house, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Theoria, uh, a mystical encounter. And while the meal was being prepared, he, uh, he, sorry, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down uh, to earth by its four corners. And just like see that heaven opened, that's the Mark passage, the, the tearing open of the heavens, the rupturing of a boundary. Um, so just even think of, like the rupturing of a boundary of we only have rational experiences. We don't have mystical encounters. Um, that boundary, um, like let it rupture to a more enchanted space where God can like give you dreams and trances. And again, there's in the Bible. The Bible's like, the Bible's not enough. We need these stories of mystical experiences. 
He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. Like, that's, that's a boundary I won't cross. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. So this is in the dream, this rupturing, heaven's opening. And then I'm making clean something that you were taught is unclean. So something new is happening. And the something new is happening via a mystical experience, a dream, a trance, a vision. It didn't happen in a verse. It wasn't written down until later. It was an experience. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Again, how do you define that? It's a mystical encounter. It's an experience. What did the voice sound like? Was it in his head? You know, was it audible? Was it in like there was just a sense that it wasn't me who came up with this, but like spirit was speaking to me and said, go with these people. And this is a crazy dream that is given witness to in the scriptures. And I would just ask like, how much does God want to move the plot of your own life forward in dreams, in whispers, in experiences that can't be defined um, just scientifically or rationally or experimented with, that are beyond words, that you might not be able to share with anyone because they're personal and private and intimate but they moved the plot of your life forward. They were holy ruptures. Um, so this is one of my, my favorites. So Peter goes to Cornelius, the Roman centurion's house, right, and began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but except from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. So there's a sense of, oh, the vision about animals was about people who I thought were unclean, whose homes I wasn't going to cross into. Um, God's here too, right? Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of, of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So that was, that was the rupturing event. Rupturing event. So that's number four and five for me. Scripture, traditions and saints, the gathered community, the Holy Spirit, and mystical encounters. The Holy Spirit said, there's three people waiting at the door for you. Go. Mystical encounters, these visions. Trances, dreams, whispers, um, and my spirit and experience. 
So Peter confirms it and experiences, oh my word, God did not show favoritism. And these Gentiles, these ethnic others, they're not unclean. The Holy Spirit is in them too. Uh, Paul says, you know, about prayer, the Holy Spirit groans with my spirit. You know, uh, we, we groan in prayer or the spirit of God confirms with my spirit that I am a child of God. So it's a knowing in your own soul and spirit and a communion and a speaking with divine spirit. Have you experienced anything like that before? Um, have you had any of these ruptures? Um, I was, I was kind of taught to be very afraid of them. And maybe I'll just put that in the, like, there is a maturing, right? A, a discerning. Um, a first half of life and a second half of life and figuring these things out of touching the hot stove. Um, but four and five have been pretty significant for me. Theoria. As a necessary part of theosis, illumination that comes through divine encounter. So, I want to talk about the last three in that list. Um, so, I, I would say these, these are the ones. <clears throat> you know, on my own journey that were added um, last. I mean, they're, they're maybe the most significant voices in the choir right now, uh, but they, didn't, they weren't in the choir before and not allowed to be. Um, but this is the poor and the oppressed, other faith traditions, strangers, and scapegoats. Um, and... Again, what I, where I see the sacred library being really useful is in giving witness to these experiences and these encounters. And I just find, oh, there's so much material there that gives witness to the living reality of God um, in your life. So here I see Jesus' parable of the sheep and goats. The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Um, the, the, this is kind of the experience of, of seeing Christ played in 10,000 places and seeing Christ divinely present in the, those who don't have water or clothing, those who are imprisoned, those who are disregarded, those who are pushed aside, those who don't have um, social and political clout or authority or social power. Um, uh, it's like there's an opportunity waiting there to encounter um, Christ in the places that the world has um, walked away from and those people. It's like those people are sacred and being able to see and experience uh, solidarity 
with those who are sacred on, on the margins is Theoria. It's an illumination that brings us into shared union with the mystery of God. And then Hebrews 13, 1 through 3. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. And those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. And this is just an amazing passage 2,000 years ago, inviting us into the solidarity of, uh, of suffering, solidarity um, and preferential option for the poor. Um, that this practice is theoria. It, it then is illumination into divine counter where our identity like gets illumined and transformed. Um, so you see how this is not moralistic conformity to an authority. It's an invitation to shared union and that the invitation to experience shared union with God is largely experienced um, by shared union and solidarity with those on the margins. That's radically upside down. Um, and um, really important to me. So that's where, for my choir, you know, moving from solo single source arrangements to a chorus, the poor and the oppressed other faith traditions, strangers and scapegoats have been really significant in cultivating my own divine encounters um, with God. So I don't know if, if um, you know, I'm just going to pause with this. This is the, the last slide. If there's any particular stirrings in you or stories uh, that you want to share, um, you can do that in the chat. I, I know one of the ways that I've been practicing this is to follow and read, um, kind of, um, I want to expand my saints to include, um, BIPOC folks and their works and their experiences. So that's been a really significant um, input into my life. Um, what we've done with Bet Shalom, you know, I think it's Barbara Brown Taylor that, that says everyone, everyone needs um, at least two religions to keep you honest in your own, and hers is Judaism. And I, I share that. Um, but what I've, I've loved about participating more with Isaiah, Minnesota, is um, they've developed such a, a great partnership um, with the Muslim Coalition. And Isaiah has kind of created this table where I get to sh uh, share and meet and be colleagues with um, 
Muslim leaders in Minnesota. And I've learned so much for them. You know, it's been a faith tradition that's been foreign to me um, and othered. Uh, and it's been Theoria. Like those encounters um, bring me in shared communion. So um, this rupture to me has been huge and maybe the, the, the one of my biggest ones from moralistic conformity to mystical communion. And this has been my journey and um, kind of expanding the choir of influence in my life. Um, because I think one of the fears that keeps you kind of in a small universe is um, that you'll just be self-referential. Um, and I think the seeking of wisdom is developing like a beautiful chorus um, of, of wise traditions and saints, of really seeing how the scripture gives witness to this maturing mystical journey. Um, in staying in communion with a gathered community, that's been really grounding to me. Um, in being open to mystical encounters, um, learning to pay attention to my spirit and experience, creation and the natural world, science and education, it's like all is yours, has been um, really huge. Uh, Tony says, hearing God in the scapegoat is difficult. How can I continue to blame someone and see Christ in them at the same time? <laughs> that is so wisely said. Um, so wisely said that you, uh, you can't. And scapegoating is everywhere, right? Um, so first you, I just, you start to be aware of who our society tends to scapegoat. So common ones, you know, are uh, immigrants, the foreigner and the stranger. So that those are like easy targets to blame. Um, but I, you know, I noticed like, when am I scapegoating evangelicals? Like that, you know, mine is now my own like faith tradition. <laughs> I blame for the, all of the world's problems. Um, and so I, I think learning to identify when I'm scapegoating is just like a red flag in awareness. And I think an invitation uh, for invitation to catharsis of um, God, what do you want to teach me what I need to confess here? And then Theoria. So thank you for sharing that, Tony. Anybody else? I invite you to breathe around these things. Is there anything that you would say differently um, when you think about your choir? Who who's in your choir? Um, is there a way that you would uh, if you would uh, name your choir? Who gets to be in it? Or um, maybe there's a, a, a voice that you're wondering about. Um, 
should this this voice be allowed in the choir or not? How has your choir expanded? How has God used unexpected voices to move the plot forward into divine communion for you? Just reflect on those things. And we'll move to our practice of communion, which we do each week. So I'm going to express my gratitude for the Eastern Orthodox tradition in really making the goal the goal, theosis, shared communion. I appreciate that. So last week was Orthodox Easter, and, um, you know, there's like an initial response of like, why do they need their own day? Why can't they celebrate it at the same time I do? Um, <laughs> so I usually pay attention to those like little disgust meters or... And then I, you know, I allowed that to be, I am so grateful that there was a tradition that was bold enough to stand up to the dominating tradition of Rome. <laughs> it said, no, we're not going to do it your way. <laughs> like sometimes those protests are necessary and important. And so I, I, last week I was just found myself so grateful that there was a whole tradition that was like, no, we're going to celebrate it on it. We've got our own calendar. So back off <laughs> because I wouldn't know about theosis and catharsis and theoria unless a whole tradition's like, nope, this is worth preserving and passing on in a different way. And there's a whole bunch of, um, critiques for all traditions. Um, so I think, so I'm going to be thankful for Dennis and Megan Morrison, um, uh, because last week they both announced happy Eastern Orthodox Easter and for Dennis's phrase that I laughed about all week is, uh, tradition equals peer pressure from dead people. <laughs> so, oh, that made me laugh. Okay. Now, with that, go ahead, take in a deep breath. Oops, that was my guitar, sorry for that. Again, if you have a prayer that you'd like posted, if you would in chat, if there's um, a naming of what the Spirit is doing in you this morning, you can, you can also name that in the chat as you reflect on your choir, on shared communion with God. Um, maybe this week be open to an encounter with the divine that is more enchanted than um, normal for you. Do you invite spirit um, to do that for you in this week? 
I also want to I want to lift up in prayer Simon and Wendy Hall and their family as they they fly to England today. Um, Simon's mom passed away last month to COVID, and in this year he's lost both mom and dad to that to this terrible pandemic. Uh, so Simon and Wendy, we ache with you on this day and love you. Uh, may you feel our presence go with you. My prayer for you in this day as, as you do hard travel with little kids, that spirit will be gracious and merciful to you in, uh, in those travel days, in those quarantines, and in the, the grief of what's happened and the trauma of it. And I pray that you being able to see your siblings and family and to mark your mom's life. Uh, would Jesus be with you and be gracious to you and merciful to you and fill you with love and appreciation for your mom and for your siblings and for the community there May it be renewing and important. Um, would God provide for you in this time? Amen.